Chapter Five of That Affair Next Door. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording today by Don Larson in Minnesota. That Affair Next Door by Anna K. Green. Chapter Five. This is no one I know. I welcomed the Mrs. Van Burnham with just enough goodwill to show that I had not been influenced by any unworthy motives in asking them to my house. I gave them my guest chamber, but I invited them to sit in my front room as long as there was anything interesting going on in the street. I knew they would like to look out, and as this chamber boasts of a bay with two windows, we could all be accommodated. From where I sat I could now and then hear what they said and I considered this but just, for if the young woman who had suffered so untimely an end was in any way connected with them, it was certainly best that the fact should not lie concealed. And one of them, that is Isabella, is such a chatterbox. Mr. Van Burnham and his son had returned next door, and so far as we could observe from our vantage point, preparations were being made for the body's removal. As the crowd below, driven away by the policeman one minute, only to collect again in another, swayed and grumbled in a continual expectation that was as continually disappointed, I heard Caroline's voice rise in two or three short sentences. They can't find Howard, or he would have been here before now. Did you see her that time when we were coming out of Clark's? Fanny Preston did, and she said she was pretty. "'No, I didn't get a glimpse.' "'A shout from the street below. "'I can't believe it,' were the next words I heard. "'But Franklin is awfully afraid. "'Hush, or the ogress.' "'I am sure I heard her say ogress, "'but what followed was drowned in another loud murmur, "'and I caught nothing further "'till these sentences were uttered "'by the trembling and over-excited Caroline. "'If it be she, Pa will never be the same man again.' to have her die in our house? Oh, there's Howard now! The interruption came quick and sharp, and it was followed by a double cry and an anxious rustle, as the two girls sprang to their feet in their anxiety to attract their brother's attention, or possibly to convey him some warning. But I did not give much heed to them. My eyes were on the carriage in which Howard had arrived, and which, owing to the ambulance in front, had stopped on the other side of the way. I was anxious to see him descend, that I might judge if his figure recalled that of the man I had seen cross the pavement the night before. But he did not descend. Just as his hand was on the carriage door, a half-dozen men appeared on the adjoining stoop carrying a burden, which they hastened to deposit in the ambulance. He sank back when he saw it, and when his face became visible again, it was so white it seemed to be the only face in the street though fifty people stood about staring at the house, at the ambulance, and at him. Franklin Van Burnham had evidently come to the door with the rest, for Howard had no sooner showed his face the second time than we saw the former dash down the steps and try to part the crowd in a vain attempt to reach his brother's side. Mr. Grice was more successful. He had no difficulty in winning his way across the street, and presently I perceived him standing near the carriage, exchanging a few words with its occupant. A moment later he drew back, and addressing the driver, jumped into the carriage with Howard, 
and was speedily driven off. The ambulance followed, and some of the crowd, and as soon as a hack could be obtained, Mr. Van Burnham and his son took the same road, leaving us three women in a state of suspense, which, as far as one of us was concerned, ended in a nervous attack that was not unlike heart failure. I allude, of course, to Caroline, and it took Isabella and myself a good half hour to bring her back to normal condition, and when this was done, Isabella thought it incumbent upon her to go off into hysterics, which, being but a weak simulation of the other's state, I met with severity and cured with a frown. When both were in trim again, I allowed myself one remark. One would think, said I, that you knew the young woman who had fallen victim to her folly next door. At which Isabella violently shook her head, and Caroline observed, It is the excitement which has been too much for me. I am never strong, and this is such a dreadful home-welcoming. When will father and Franklin come back? It was very unkind of them to go off without one word of encouragement. They probably did not consider the fate of this unknown woman a matter of any importance to you. The Van Burnham girls were unlike in appearance and character, but they showed an equal embarrassment at this, casting down their eyes and behaving so strangely that I was driven to wonder, without any show of hysterics, I am happy to say, what would be the upshot of this matter, and how far I would become involved in it before the truth came to light. At dinner they displayed what I should call their best society manner. Seeing this, I assumed my society manner also. It is formed on a different pattern from theirs, but is fully as impressive, I judge. A most formal meal was the result. My best china was in use, but I had added nothing to my usual course of viands. Indeed, I had abstracted something. An entree upon which my cook prides herself was omitted. Was I going to allow these proud young misses to think I had exerted myself to please them? No, rather would I have them considered me niggardly and an enemy to good living. So the entree was, as the French say, suppressed. In the evening their father came in. He was looking very dejected, and half his bluster was gone. He held a telegram crushed in his hand, and he talked very rapidly but he confided none of his secrets to me, and was obliged to say good-night to these young ladies, without knowing much more about the matter engrossing us than when I had left their house in the afternoon. But others were not as ignorant as myself. A dramatic and highly exciting scene had taken place that evening at the undertaker's, to which the unknown's body had been removed. And as I have more than once heard it minutely described, I will endeavor to transcribe it here with all the impartiality of an outsider. When Mr. Grice entered the carriage in which Howard sat, he noted first that the young man was frightened, and second that he made no effort to hide it. He had heard almost nothing from the detective. He knew that there had been a hue and cry for him ever since noon, and that he was wanted to identify a young woman who had been found dead in his father's house but beyond these facts he had been told little, and yet he seemed to have no curiosity, nor did he venture to express any surprise. He merely accepted the situation and was troubled by it, showing no inclination to talk till very near the end of his destination, when he suddenly pulled himself together and ventured this question. How did she, 
the young woman, as you call her, kill herself. The detective, who in his long career among criminals and suspected persons, had seen many men and encountered many conditions, roused at this query with much of his old spirit. Turning from the man rather than toward him, he allowed himself a slight shrug of the shoulders, and he calmly replied, She was found under a heavy piece of furniture, the cabinet with the vases on it, which you must remember stood at the left of the mantelpiece. It had crushed her head and breast, quite a remarkable means of death, don't you think? There has been but one occurrence like it in my long experience. I don't believe what you tell me, was the young man's astonished reply. You are trying to frighten me or make a game of me. No lady would make use of any such means of death as that. I did not say she was a lady, returned Mr. Grice, scoring one in his mind against his unwary companion. A shiver passed down the young man's side, where he came in contact with the detective. No, he muttered, but I gathered from what you said she was no common person, or why, he flashed out in sudden heat, do you require me to go with you to see her? Have I the name of associating with any persons of the sex who are not ladies? Pardon me, said Mr. Grice, in grim delight at the prospect he saw slowly unfolding before him of one of those complicated affairs in which minds like his unconsciously revel. I meant no insinuations. We have requested you, as we have requested your father and brother, to accompany us to the undertakers, because the identification of the corpse is a most important point, and every formality likely to ensure it must be observed. And did not they, my father and brother, I mean, recognize her? It would be difficult for any one to recognize her who was not well acquainted with her. A horrified look crossed the features of Howard Van Burnham, which, if a part of his acting, showed him to have genius for his role. His head sank back in the cushions of the carriage, and for a moment he closed his eyes. When he opened them again, the carriage had stopped, and Mr. Grice, who had not noticed his emotion, of course, was looking out of the window with his hand on the handle of the door. "'Are we there already?' asked the young man with a shudder. "'I wish you had not considered it necessary for me to see her. "'I shall detect nothing familiar in her, I know.' "'Mr. Grice bowed, repeated that it was a mere formality, "'and followed the young gentleman into the building, "'and afterwards into the room where the dead body lay. "'A couple of doctors and one or two officials stood about, "'in whose faces the young man sought for something like encouragement.' before casting his eyes in the direction indicated by the detective. But there was little in any of these faces to calm him, and turning shortly away, he walked manfully across the room and took his stand by the detective. I am positive, he began, that it is not my wife. At this moment the cloth that had covered the body was removed, and he gave a great start of relief. I said so, he remarked coldly. This is no one I know. His sigh was echoed in double chorus from the doorway. Glancing that way, he encountered the faces of his father and elder brother, and moved toward them with a relieved air that made quite another man of him in appearance. I have had my say, he remarked. Shall I wait outside till you have had yours? We have already said all that we had to, Franklin returned. 
we declared that we do not recognize this person of course of course assented the other i don't see why they should have expected us to know her some common suicide who thought the house empty but how did she get in don't you know said mr gryce can it be that i forgot to tell you why she was let in at night by a young man of medium height his eye ran up and down the graceful figure of the young elegant before him as he spoke who left her inside and then went away a young man who had a key a key franklin i was it a look from franklin which made him stop it is possible for he turned on his heel as he reached this point and tossing his head with quite a gay air exclaimed but it is of no consequence the girl is a stranger and we have satisfied i believe all the requirements of the law in saying so and may now drop the matter are you going to the club franklin yes but here the elder brother drew nearer and whispered something into the other's ear who at that whisper turned again towards the place where the dead woman lay seeing this movement his anxious father wiped the moisture from his forehead silas van burnham had been silent up to this moment and seemed inclined to continue so but he watched his younger son with painful intentness nonsense broke from howard's lips as his brother ceased his communication but he took a step nearer the body notwithstanding and then another and another until he was at its side again the hands had not been injured as we have said and upon these his eyes now fell they are like hers oh god they are like hers he muttered growing gloomy at once but where are the rings there are no rings to be seen on these fingers and she wore five including her wedding ring is it of your wife you are speaking inquired mr gryce who had edged up close to his side the young man was caught unawares he flushed deeply but answered up boldly and with great appearance of candor yes my wife left haddam yesterday to come to new york and i have not seen her since naturally i have felt some doubts lest this unhappy victim should be she but i do not recognize her clothing i do not recognize her form only the hands look familiar and the hair is of the same color as hers but it's a very ordinary color i do not dare to say from anything i see that this is my wife we will call you again after the doctor has finished his autopsy said mr gryce perhaps you will hear from mrs van burnham before then but this intimation did not seem to bring comfort with it mr van burnham walked away white and sick for which display of emotion there was certainly some cause and rejoining his father tried to carry off the moment with the aplomb of a man of the world but that father's eye was fixed too steadily upon him he faltered as he sat down and finally spoke up with a feverish energy if it is she so help me god her death is a mystery to me we have quarrelled more than once lately and i have sometimes lost my patience with her but she had no reason to wish for death and i am ready to swear in defiance of those hands which are certainly like hers and the nameless something which franklin calls a likeness that it is a stranger who lies there and that her death in our house is a coincidence well well we will wait was the detective's soothing reply sit down in the room opposite there and give me your orders for supper and i will see that a good meal is served you 
The three gentlemen, seeing no way of refusing, followed the discreet official who preceded them, and the door of the doctor's room closed upon him and the inquiries he was about to make. End of chapter 5 Chapter 6 New Facts Mr. Van Burnham and his son had gone through the formality of supper, and were conversing in the haphazard way natural to men filled with a subject they dare not discuss, when the door opened and Mr. Grice came in. Advancing very calmly, he dressed himself to the father. "'I am sorry,' said he, "'to be obliged to inform you that this affair is much more serious than we anticipated.' This young woman was dead before the shelves laden with bric-a-brac fell upon her. It is a case of murder, obviously so, or I should not presume to forestall the coroner's jury in their verdict. Murder, it is a word to shake the stoutest heart. The older gentleman reeled as he half rose, and Franklin, his son, betrayed in his own way an almost equal amount of emotion. But Howard shrugged his shoulders as if relieved of an immense weight, looked about with a cheerful air, and briskly cried, "'Then it is not the body of my wife you have there. No one would murder Louise. I shall go away and prove the truth of my words by hunting her up at once.' The detective opened the door, beckoned in the doctor, who whispered two or three words into Howard's ear. They failed to awake the emotion he evidently expected. Howard looked surprised, but he answered without any change of voice. Yes, Louise has such a scar, and if it is true that this woman is similarly marked, then it is a mere coincidence. Nothing will convince me that my wife has been the victim of murder. Had you not better take a look at the scar just mentioned? No, I am so sure of what I say that I will not even consider the possibility of my being mistaken. I have examined the clothing on this body you have shown me, and not one article of it came from my wife's wardrobe. Nor would my wife go, as you have informed me this woman did, into a dark house at night with any other man than her husband. And so you absolutely refuse to acknowledge her? Most certainly. The detective paused, glanced at the troubled faces of the other two gentlemen, faces that had not perceptibly altered during these declarations, and suggestively remarked, You have not asked by what means she was killed. And I don't care, shouted Howard. It was by very peculiar means, also new in my experience. It does not interest me, the other retorted. Mr. Grice turned to his father and brother. Does it interest you, he asked. The old gentleman, ordinarily so testy and so peremptory, silently nodded his head, while Franklin cried, Speak up quick, you detectives hesitate over the disagreeables. Was she throttled or stabbed with a knife? I have said the means were peculiar. She was stabbed, but not with a knife. I know Mr. Grice well enough now to be sure that he did not glance towards Howard while saying this and yet at the same time he did not miss the quiver of a muscle on his part or the motion of an eyelash. But Howard's assumed sang-froid remained undisturbed and his countenance imperturbable. The wound was so small, the detective went on, that it is a miracle it did not escape notice. It was made by the thrust of some very slender instrument through. The heart, put in Franklin, 
of course of course assented the detective what other spot is vulnerable enough to cause death is there any reason why we should not go demanded howard ignoring the extreme interest manifested by the other two with the determination that showed great doggedness of character the detective ignored him a quick stroke a sure stroke a fatal stroke the girl never breathed after but what of those things under which she lay crushed ah in them lies the mystery her assailant must have been as subtle as he was sure and still howard showed no interest i wish to telegraph to haddam he declared as no one answered the last remark haddam was the place where he and his wife had been spending the summer we have already telegraphed there observed mr gryce your wife has not yet returned there are other places defiantly insisted the other i can find her if you give me the opportunity mr gryce bowed i am to give orders then for this body to be removed to the morgue it was an unexpected suggestion and for an instant howard showed that he had feelings with the best but he quickly recovered himself and avoiding the anxious glances of his father and brother answered with offensive lightness i have nothing to do with that you must do as you think proper and mr gryce felt that he had received a check and did not know whether to admire the young man for his nerve or to execrate him for brutality that the woman who he had thus carelessly dismissed to the ignominy of public gaze was his wife the detective did not doubt End of chapter six